cada uno tiene que encontrar su golpe. ¿Y cómo lo encuentro? Ayúdate con la voz. No, pues ya fue. Ajá, uh -huh. canto horrible. Chare, no me espeses tanto tu maldiada. Carnal, ¿de dónde sacas tus frases? Neta. A ver, canta. Ah, qué Cantas más feo que el Happy Feet. Ya perdimos. ¡Ay, los huevos! Ando en busca de un gallo que me haga sentir Que me haga olvidarme de todo lo que yo sufrí ¡Échale! Que encuentre muy fácil el punto donde me estremezco Que mueva mi mundo por fuera y por dentro Que esté decidido a ponerme feliz ¡Ay! No tengo quien me bese, quien me apriete, quien provoque, quien haría todo por mí Si me acerques hacia ti No tengo más que decir Yo solo quiero pedir Que me beses y me apetes Me provoques y me digas lo que quieras Me convences y esta noche tendrás todo para ti Chiquillo Alright, good morning Hey everybody Wow um, Yeah, this is probably not going to go How we expected it to go Not even in the least And uh, we want to make this clear when we're choosing movies we tend to have at least some feeler of what we're going to get when we choose a movie you know we watch trailers we we pay attention to reputations which if we paid attention to the reputation on this one we might not have found ourselves in the situation that we're in yeah but you know we, we try to get a feeler but sometimes you just don't know sometimes you'll stumble into a movie and it does catch you off guard and that's not a bad thing I mean, part of the fun of this yeah. is that, okay, obviously when we're doing something like Kung Fu Hustle, it's a tribute to a movie that we love and have seen many times. Something like the film that we're going to be covering today, this was a brand new world for us in so many ways, and we've got so much ground to cover today, which was kind of unexpected and kind of awesome. Yeah, the film in question is the Spanish-language uh, Mexican uh, animated film un gallo con muchos huevos, otherwise released over here as Huevos Little Rooster's Excellent Adventure. Yes. Uh, which is the worst title. Much worse title. <laughs> Mostly because the original original title, A Chicken with um, Much Eggs, or Many Eggs, is a reference to, you know, testicular fortitude. Yes. <laughs> muchos huevos. Which is actually a much more accurate sale for the movie. Um... This is, it is yeah. the first ever Spanish uh, Mexican animated film to get semi-wide release in uh, America. Um, and this is also our first time to really touch on the Mex Mexican film industry. And to a great degree, I've noticed this is a subject that tends to just get ignored across the board. Very, very, very few casts ever really actually stop and talk about Mexican media. Every, everybody's familiar with telenovelas because they've seen them running in the background um but yeah you know and you might know the music um vaguely in in a distant way the movie industry that mexico has tends to be discussed not at all with americans in mind there are many great mexican directors who operate in the u.s uh Gabriel del toro uh alejandro inaritu uh, alfonso alfonso Cuarón. yeah uh, by the way, in fact, for the last three years, uh, the Best Director Oscar has been won by a Mexican. Uh, this is true. Yes. Because it was uh, Cuarón for Gravity and then uh, Inuritu twice. That's uh, true. So, but again, both of them mostly work in America. Um, yeah, they make American movies. Yeah. Um, Cuarón, the only, really, the only film that he's done that I think people think of of his that's Mexican outside of, um, you know, is uh, Y Mamá Tambien, which actually did star a number of noted Mexican actors. But otherwise, he's pretty much stayed on that, you know, working with us. Of course, he didn't do anything for uh, six, seven years. And we also have to mention Robert Rodriguez, who gets a little closer to the mark as far as, you know, representing uh, culture, but otherwise... Still an American film. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he'll he occasionally bring in a Mexican actor. But, yeah, I mean, his films are very definitely... His films are Texan. That's that's really the best way to describe yeah. his films is 
they're Texan. That's true. Uh, they're Texan or Baja Californian. I mean, that's kind of, he focuses on what he's familiar with. Um, it's an industry that is so successful is the thing. Like, we don't realize it, but it's so extremely successful. And yet we don't know any of it. If we know of a Mexican film, it's the common thing that happens when, you know, with pretty much all foreign films, that if we do know it, it's usually a serious art film that gets made, um, such as the uh, aforementioned Itamama Tambien uh, or Amores Perros um, from uh, Inuritu, which both of which were serious films that crossed the border and got seen. But, you know... I mean, in reality, of course, they make just as much schlock as we do. They make some grand schlock. Mexican horror is actually a little bit better known, unfortunately, mostly as a subject of comedy uh, for people in the 70s. Uh, but, like, I I've mentioned this before. Uh, I have access to the archives of the Victoria, Texas newspaper. And uh, there was actually a Mexican uh, theater there, like a theater that showed Mexican films uh, in the 70s. Uh, up through the late 80s, and, and may have been operating even into the early 90s, possibly. I don't think it was. So you had this onslaught of films, and we know nothing about them, because again, the only things that, that cross the border are the quote-unquote serious art films, and that's not fair. I mean, do we even realize how bad so much of British cinema is? I brought this up before on a cast, but I think that's the one of the best things Matthew Buck is doing, is pointing out how bad a lot of British movies are. Yeah, and they come over here. That's probably the most foreign films we get are from them. Yeah, and the language, or we might get occasional Australian films. Note that Australian, uh, the broadness of Australian cinema is actually a little bit better known just because their horror films are very popular. Um, you know, their quote-unquote schlock has been very popular and very successful. They do a lot of really good action movies down there, and their stuff tends to cross uh, a little bit more, but even there, their best directors wind up coming over here, such as, of course, George Miller and uh, the Spirit Brothers, who did uh, Predestination, which I have raved about in the past. Still highly recommend. So, I mean, as I said, it, it's fascinating to me that we know so little about Mexican cinema, because Mexico is right here. And as time goes by, it's increasingly not okay that we in America are not familiar with Mexican culture. I don't know what it's like where you live, but there is a huge Mexican population in Little Rock. Huge. There's a decent, I think there's a decent Hispanic population here. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is actually Mexican. You know, it's kind of middle of the country, mm -hmm. but but yeah. yeah it's, it's, pretty distinct, it's pretty distinctly uh, Mexican here. Um, lots, lots of Mexican flags. Um, you know, um, Arkansas, of course, has a, a huge agricultural industry which is what uh, drives that wave. And uh, for what's worth, I think this is, uh, I actually think this is one of the most fascinating cultural shifts in America. And it's one that we're not really all that educated about. I mean, I embrace it. Let me look up Mexican population in Kansas City mm -hmm. just to see. I mean, I should point out while you're d doing this that one of the reasons that Arkansas has such a great po uh, Mexican population is uh, Tyson. Tyson Chicken is headquartered here. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. We have a 5.44% uh, Mexican population. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not a small number. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a number. It's not insignificant, no. It, it, it's worth respecting. Um, as I said, Arkansas has a sizable Mexican population. Uh, we also have a huge rice uh, is a big thing. You know, we are one of the world's leading rice producers, actually. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, we are an international power in that regard. Um, it's not an accident that Walmart and uh, Tyson took root here. There's a fascinating economic element here. That's one reason that as I was developing the um, project that we've done, the April Fool's Day cast, that I went on ahead and moved the setting in my revisions to Arkansas because there is that fascinating socioeconomic shift that I'm always intrigued by. And so, yes, you've got that. Um, I'll say this. And I am not in any way being offensive to say this. The Mexican food that you can get in Arkansas, the authentic stuff, is amazing. Uh, we have a number of great taquerias. God, yeah, you, uh, I know this firsthand because mm -hmm. 
your uh, rehearsal dinner yes. uh, for your wedding was. Uh, yes, it was. At a Mexican restaurant. And that's the best quesadilla I've ever eaten in my life. We have, and, and the funny thing is that's just really the, the tip of the iceberg about how, how authentic the food is. So, I mean, with all that said, we've got all this build up here. As I said, the films are not very common here. Uh, Mexican cinema is just, it's incredibly hard to find. Um, you might find Spanish language stuff, but, you know, your access is so limited. Um, and so what's one thing that is, however, starting to change the tide is Lionsgate, who we have trashed before in the past for their we-will-pick-up-anything trend. Yes. We'll pick up anything, and they screwed over uh, one of our friends. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. We have loyalty. Yeah. We have loyalty. We do. But let's get this out. Let's get this out and in the clear. They are doing something awesome. They have started a studio explicitly designed to distribute Mexican films in America. Uh, Pantaleon Films, which is... uh, a wing of Lionsgate, and their aim is to distribute these films in areas that have strong Mexican populations, to get them decent releases, to get them seen by that audience. And they're starting to have a lot of financial success because their um, advert because their ad buys are fairly small. They limit it to Spanish language media. Uh, they only like they don't target the English population. They know that that's not going to work out for them. And so they really do limit their focus on trying to play to Mexican audiences and saying, hey, here are films you would want to see with actors that you really love. Here's your culture. We're going to make it easily accessible to you. So they'll do like four, 500 screen releases, um, largely in the South, uh, largely in the Southwest, you know, maybe a screen or two here. Uh, I know the film that we're going to cover today actually screened in Michigan because I saw a video review of it from Michigan. I'm not sure if it's screened here, but how I heard of this film was I went to a showing of Shaun the Sheep, the movie, which is excellent, by the way. It's Ardman at at peak. Um, Say no more. Yeah. And they showed a trailer for Un Gallo con Muchos Huevos, and... Like, it was, you know, subtitles and all. It wasn't pandering to American audiences at all. You know, it was advertising the film, of course. But anyway, so yeah, and I just thought it was this really weird thing because it's a Spanish-language computer anime movie, which is something I'd never seen before. And not only that, uh, it's one of its central themes was around cockfighting. Yes, yes, that's what this movie is about. Yes, and... And it's like, and I also noticed the rating. It was PG-13. Like, this is incredible. I think I have to see this. So we immediately put this on the to-do list for the cast. And uh, indeed, um, I mean, here's a mark of how little this movie is known in the U.S. Uh, When I got my, uh, I rented it from the library. I had no trouble at all getting a copy of it. And it hadn't been touched. Uh, I, I was easily the first person to check it out. It hasn't been out for very long, but still. Still, yeah, I I found it on Redbox. Uh, that was when I showed it to you. I'm like, we have no excuse now. We can do this. Yeah, we had an opening in the schedule, and so it was like, okay, it's time. Yeah. And as I said, we didn't have the highest expectations because, because we just didn't know what we were getting into. And so I'm just going to say right off the bat, I was really surprised by this movie in a way that I like to be surprised. Uh, this was an unexpectedly fun movie. Yeah. And it's often really funny. Yeah, it's often legitimately funny. Um, yeah, I laughed out loud at least uh, at least four or five times. As did I. I mean, there's some really good puns. There's some good characters. I'm probably going to be mangling so much pronunciation here, so I want everybody to understand. I am trying my best to get all this right. Um our goal here is to try and get you to understand that we're going to be trying to cover more of this cinema in the future. Well, I also want to get out of the way, you know, the English title, Little Rooster's Excellent Adventure, is actually kind of a different film. Yeah. Uh, you Like, it's a different cut, even. It's like, what, a minute less? It's either a minute less or a minute more, actually, I think. I, I don't know which. 
Yeah, I actually did venture last night after I saw after I watched the movie into the English language version of it, and I you know cut to some key points, and yeah, they really kind of dull the uh, tip of this movie in places. Like it's the Spanish cut is PG thirteen, and the English cut is PG. So if you're going to watch this, watch the Spanish version with the subtitles. It's a better experience. Yeah, uh, the American version also had a number of. Uh, let's see, who was uh Let's see, John Heater played uh, the uh, duck egg in the movie. Who? Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. Yeah, he played the duck egg oh. trainer. I see. Yeah, that was the kind of thing you wow. were getting. Um. Yeah. I, I want to point out, by the way, before we get into this movie. The number of trailers that we had for on it for movies that just looked agonizing to watch really did not set my expectations very high. Yeah, I, I skipped all that shit. I didn't have the option, so um, uh, my remote was broken. So, um, oh no. But anyway, yeah, this movie seriously the the PG thirteen cut is by far and away the better because yes, it's it's got a lot more vulgar references. But you know what? That's part of the culture. That is something that I've noticed is common across Mexican entertainment. Uh, and really, pretty much everywhere that's not the United States, to be perfectly blunt. We're prudes. We were founded by Puritans. Yeah, as much as, you know, as the reputation of America that, oh yeah, we love our sex, violence, and guns. It's like... We love our violence. We're, yeah, we're prudes. Like, you can see it reflected in the MPAA. You can see it reflected on, you know, our censorship on TV. We're prudes all the way. But I mean, this let's see, this movie has references to a massage with a happy ending. <laughs> Twice. Twice. Uh, this movie has uh, the uh, women in the movie, their breasts move very distinctly. Yes. No fear there. And of course, the at the beginning of uh, uh, a burlesque show, uh, which... It's still in the English cut, but they don't... I think they make this joke was, who wants to see some breasts? You know what? <laughs> I like their stuff. I, I like their attitude towards this stuff. I, I really do. Um, yes. For the record, most of these things that we're referencing are actually quite funny. Um, yeah. A little bit of backstory on this movie. Um, it was uh, rated... You know, okay, we've covered the rating. Uh, it was made by... Uh, it was written and directed by the Riva brothers. Um and here's the thing that we I did not know when I was watching it. This is the third in a series. Mm-hmm. This is actually the third in a series. The first movie is actually given a recap at the start of the film, which is actually done so organically that I didn't notice it. I just thought it was generic setup for the uh, main character, and it's pretty seamless. It's it's a fun scene. It is the third in a very popular series um, in Mexico. Um, this is the first. The first two were two D. The Huevos series. Yes. Yeah, which uh, they center around eggs. Mm-hmm. They center around eggs. Sentient eggs who, I mean, it, and there's a strip of bacon who doesn't talk. Yes. Yeah, that's really kind of weird if you think about it. It's like there's just a strip of bacon in the film. He's a character. It's like, okay. Okay. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, this is, this is a series that's fairly successful um down there uh the first two are in 2d um one one of which you can you can catch in the film proper yeah um they are they are both on youtube i will point out however they are in subtitled they are not subtitled so they're pretty much unwatchable to me because i don't speak english um yeah both by the way you don't speak spanish yeah oh yeah i don't speak spanish um let's just be clear um, but both of them uh, were from the Reba Brothers. Uh, this has been their project. Um, this was the first one that they did that got American distribution. Uh, this was the first CGI one. As I said, this was the first one. Like, the first two, I think, got a mild... They were released as a double feature through Walmart, but not very widely. I mean, Walmart does have a small uh, Spanish-language section. It's not great. Um... The movie has pretty much what amounts to an all-star cast of Mexican actors that you have never heard of. They even do they even do the uh, the end credit bit where they individually show you, oh, this person did this, this person did this. It's like, 
Who? Yeah. Who? You, huh? We don't know these names, but they all have very big Wikipedia pages, let me tell you. Yes. Uh, like, for example, the burlesque singer is apparently uh, like a huge bombshell down there. Like, she is apparently, like, she's considered the hottest woman in Latin America, was how I saw her referred to at one point. Damn. Yeah. Um, and indeed, she's not exactly hard to look at. Um, but I mean, that's just making the point. Uh, these are uh, these are actors you've never heard of. Um, but they're all really successful, actually. And I mean, to me, if if as I go forward into watching Mexican cinema, I'm probably going to wind up recognizing a lot of these names. Like, okay, the actor that played the um, the rival, like the champion cockfighter, is the king of telenovela villains, for example. Just to give an example. <laughs> nice. We also, to make one other thing clear, uh, in the film, pro- in the film, uh, cockfighting is actually represented as chicken boxing, basically. Yeah. Which is why we're going to pre- boxing. Which is why we're going to be pretty much lenient on the film's depiction of it. Um, it didn't really. Yeah. It it doesn't really resemble cockfighting as we know it. And there's a big cultural difference here. I mean, that's something that you have to there consider. Is. There's a big cultural difference. It's obviously viewed very differently. Because there are still some of the traditional signs of it. The arena looks pretty much the same. It does, yeah. You know what? It's a cultural difference. And I really and truly don't, you know, I may be wrong. It may be abhorred by modern Mexicans. I don't know. I'm giving this movie the leeway that it went on ahead and got and um, did this. Uh, and the film was a huge hit, I want to point out. The film was a huge hit. It actually grossed about five times its budget. Nice. Which, let me just, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the budget later on in the cast. I, I'm going to cover that later because I've got too much to say and we've got too much to get out of the way. Um, yeah, one of the things I loved about this film, yeah, I realized like towards the end, it's like, this thing is just really fucking fearless. Yeah. Like, it's not afraid to go places. It's not. This is not a movie that is afraid to do things. Uh, it, it really isn't. The plot is very simple. The plot is very simple, very formulaic, and I suspect that might have a lot to do with why it actually did okay with Americans. Um, it, it didn't gross a huge number um, over here. I, I think it did about $9 million or so. It's still that's still double the budget. <laughs> yeah, it still did a huge. It still had a huge per screen average and did very well. You know, it was well received. Um, so I, I, I want to note that, and it got decent reviews. It got a sixty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and but I mean, the plot is that's it. It's it's a fairly simple, basic plot. Um, our main character Toto, the rooster, and by the way, that name you pretty much forget about the dog immediately is a. He's a rooster who is um, on a small family farm. He was previously one of the eggs in the in the previous films, but he hatched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the suggestion anyway. Exactly. It, it suggested that he was one of the eggs in the previous films, but indeed, he's hatched. He's now... Uh, yeah, as I said, I looked up the plot of the first movie. That opening sequence is basically the first movie retold in CGI. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically what it is. Um, but you know what? It's really done very organically because it's a story told by one of the very entertaining characters in Confi, the uh, confetti egg. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also something we don't have over here. Mm-hmm. But I quickly grasped the concept of, um, i.e. an egg filled with confetti. Uh, he's fun. He's fun. Um You've got a number of the eggs that uh, start that start to have pretty good, distinct personalities. You've got a former sergeant egg. You've got a, uh, you know, you've got the love interest egg. I mean, those those exist. Those exist. And the fact that they're all sentient eggs, apropos of nothing, but that they might eventually become chickens. You know what? Just roll with it. Just let the movie have its roll cons- with it. conceit. The, yeah. the character designs are awesome. I'm just going to say that right now. The character designs immediately... The movie looks gorgeous. It does. Uh, again, I'm going to hold my tongue on how much I want to say about the look until we get to it later. Uh, yeah. Because I'm going to have to go on such a long rant about that. Um, but uh, Toto is... He's very much... He's an outsider. He's not 
uh, he, as the movie starts, he's trying to crow to wake everybody up, and he's not any good at it. And he doesn't want to do it. He, he doesn't want to do it. Um, he is in love with the daughter of the uh, grand rooster of the uh, yard. And frankly, she is too. Yeah, yeah they're in love. It, it's kind of an awkward, dorky love. She's a dork. He's a dork. It's It's cute. I'm really glad we were not watching the American Cut because I'm pretty sure that that, that that whole subplot would have made me sick because I could see how badly they would dub it and how much they'd fumble it. Yeah, yeah, the dub is pretty bad. Like, again, that happy ending joke is reduced to something that frankly makes no sense. Like, and it's like, what? <laughs> I forgot exactly what... Uh, like, I posted that joke on Facebook just because it's like, whoa, hey. But it, it was something like, that's it? Yeah. And then they both look at the camera. It's like, okay. That's pathetic. Yeah, just cut that part out if you're going to do that. Yeah. You obviously have the freedom to make trims because they are separate cuts of the movie. Cut mm. it. Cut the joke. Oh. Um... I, I cannot stress this enough. Watch this movie subtitled. But again, what happens is it becomes clear that the farm is going to potentially be foreclosed upon. So the animals get the idea that they can uh, enter the fighting. Because it turns out that the uh, big rooster of the barnyard used to be a uh, former cockfighter. They go to see the uh, godfather who's uh, in charge of running the gambling on cockfighting. Who is an egg. And who... Yes, is a Don Vito Corleone parody. It took me, it took me the entirety of the film to realize that his suit is painted on. Yeah, it is. That's that's a cool little joke <laughs> in the movie. Uh, it is nice. That's a nice touch. Um, I. There are a lot of those. There are. There's a. There's a lot of detail put into this animation. There, there really is. Um, yeah, a lot of creativity. A lot of uh, creativity went into this. Yeah. I'm going to remind people, creativity is free. Creativity just requires having good people. So they go to this, so they go, but anyway, they go to see this inevitable Don Corleone parody. And wow, this, that occurs to me, that's the second time in two months that we've encountered one of those in an animated movie. That's true. This is, this is a that's trend, true. isn't it? Um, but anyway, uh, they go and um, the, uh, old rooster the uh older rooster is like i i want to fight and uh the uh they come up with a plan it's like no instead the champion the this undefeated rooster is going to uh fight toto who has no fighting experience whatsoever and in order to do this toto has to train and uh in the process of doing so we get a little bit of backstory we find out that the reason that the uh older rooster stopped fighting was because because he was embarrassed in the ring by a duck pretending to be a rooster. And so they go in search of this duck. They can't find him, but they find his son, who is an egg, and who is just this surreal character to watch, let me point out. He's got, like, a mohawk. He's got spray paint on his shell. And he's very aggressive. He's the one who demands the happy ending. Yes. By one of the female eggs. By one of the female eggs. Yeah, massage with a happy ending. What we wind up getting is a pretty generic training leading up to a fight. In the process, the uh, rooster's girlfriend, uh, you have two villains in the movie. There's the uh, champ's uh, girlfriend, who is uh, the burlesque singer, uh, who is determined to keep hold on to her lifestyle. So she does everything she can to sabotage his training and keep him from winning. And then there's uh, the uh, stereotypical bad guy with the big mustache, uh, the dark one. And he's uh, an outlaw who's, yeah, the human, who's rustling up all the farms because the uh, owner of Toto and the Eggs Farm is this very nice old lady with her grandson. And we don't really know much about them. They just seem nice. Um, that's, a, that's all we get, really. She's lost her husband. She comes to think that he's the one, by the way, that placed the uh, bet that winds up spurring on uh, the whole movie. But th but that's that's kind of the film. I mean, is that's that's the essence of it is that Toto must train. He must learn to fight like a duck. He must learn 
that his own inner strengths are the best, and he must find his individuality. This is nothing that you haven't seen a million times before. It's nothing unique. It's nothing strange. It's nothing out there. Yeah, at this, you know, it's the pause for me, Lake, but at the same time, it still kind of unfolds as it goes. Yeah, I mean, we were actually concerned because we looked at this and we were like, oh, this is 98 minutes? That's going to be kind of long. Not really. No, I'm really genuinely surprised at how quickly this movie moves. It helps that what goes, that, okay, first of all, the underdog formula, it is a formula, but man, it's one that works. It helps that the movie isn't completely foolish. Like at the end when uh, Toto beats the uh, villain, because, or no, he's not even really the villain, the opponent. He beats his opponent. Because he's never actually shown as being a a jerk. In fact, uh, at the end, he comes up to him. He's like, you know what? Good fight. You know, honor yeah. to fought you. And there's even a joke where they're like, yeah, this is the best thing that ever could have happened to him losing to you. Because now that they know that he's beatable, he's going to be a much bigger draw. Yeah. That, that's smart. Yeah. I mean, the only, the only kind of inkling we get is uh, uh, he's merciless in the ring. So are most fighters. That's not really a... That's not really a bad thing. I yeah, I think one of my favorite jokes in the film is really good joke setup. Like it's used once. Like his mouthpiece says, "You're going to lose" or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, that intimidates the other person. And then the I'm not going to give away the joke, uh, but there is a payoff to that, and it's hilarious. It is. It's it's a good payoff. It it is clever. It's genuinely funny. I I mean. It, it's a genuinely smart movie about the tropes of the genre. That's the thing. This is a movie that's smart about the tropes of the boxing genre. And that's maybe a big reason why I'm okay with this movie, quote-unquote, using cockfighting as its plot. Because it's really not about cockfighting. It's about boxing. That's yeah, what all the references are to. Are to boxing. And, you know, boxing's a brutal, bloody sport. But, damn, it's... it's uh, a wise man once said, if horse racing is the sport of kings, then boxing is a very good sport, too. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite puns in there is uh, Muhammad Ghali. Yes. <laughs> this movie loves its puns. It loves them so much that to a certain degree, some of the jokes are lost if you don't speak Spanish. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's only so much the subtitles can do to uh, like they do. They do their best. Um, to try to convey the jokes. Like, some are obvious and what they're getting at. The egg puns are real easy. Yeah. But some of them are just like, like the frog at the beginning that keeps interrupting. It's like, I know that probably means something in Spanish slang, but... We don't get it. We don't get it. It's lost. And that's fine. And that's fine, because, I mean... But it's it's fun to try and pick that stuff up. Um, yeah, I and again, a lot of this movie is frankly very Chuck Jones. It's very Looney Tunes. It's very silly. It's it's a lot of slapstick, and it's a lot of really good slapstick too. Um, as I said, I, I wanted to wait about talking about the animation until a point where I could really thoroughly rant. But now that we've gotten the plot out of the way, let's talk about this movie's budget because this movie comes at a time when. We're dealing with an interesting thing in animation. Okay, right now, Disney animation is doing great. Uh, I would point out, by the way, that Disney animation does not have to be doing great for Disney to be uh, still doing okay. Because, you know, they've got Star Wars and Marvel. Seriously, Disney knows what to acquire. And, this is a biggie for Disney, The Jungle Book is currently making money hand over fist. I mean, Disney's doing fine they're leveraging their properties great you know and their animation department is doing great we've already covered zootopia we stand by that review that movie is awesome i'm so glad it's been a huge hit it deserves it but dreamworks has been really struggling dreamworks may not be around as much longer to be honest yeah they put out like i don't know maybe one of every five of their films is uh good yeah, they're struggling because they have been over-pumping what movies they put out. And they've been leaning very heavily into their franchises, but their franchises are suddenly starting to dry up. I remember that they switched Home and Penguins of Madagascar in order to try and get a hit, only for Penguins of Madagascar to flop. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. DreamWorks, part of the problem is that DreamWorks is putting an absurd amount of money into their films. Most animated films cost a lot of money. They cost a minimum of $100 million. Um, Rio cost $90 million. To make that money back, you have to pump so much money into marketing. It becomes absurd. Now, admittedly, animation travels really well. You know, and if you have a hit, that's great. Um, see those uh, goddamn minions. Yeah. That's on Netflix, by the way. Uh, so, parents around the world, bad news. But, if you know, if you have a hit, that's great. But they're so risky. As I said, DreamWorks is really struggling. Uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman flopped badly. Even though apparently it was quite... Even though I've heard it was quite good. Yeah, despite being actually a pretty good adaptation of That's right, the material. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, they don't... You know, DreamWorks is struggling. Um, Blue Sky, uh, who uh, is the internet's eternal whipping boy for everything wrong with modern animation. Although I think Illumination is starting to replace them. Yeah. Blue Sky has only... It occurs to me that they've only... The only movies that they've done that I've really liked have been their uh, adaptations. They're not doing so hot. The Peanuts movie did not sadly perform as well as they were hoping, which is a shame. That's such a wonderful film, and uh, one that I greatly en- enjoyed. Yeah, luckily there's there was no plan for a sequel. Yeah, luckily they well, they didn't have the rights, yeah. And, and also, besides which, I don't think they really could have done a sequel, because they got every reference in that they could have possibly made. In that first they movie. They did, yeah. They got everything in. God bless them. But, you know, so you've got this real crisis in animation. Uh, I don't think that the next Ice Age movie is going to do so hot. Um, By the way, that... So if you take, like, Rio and the upcoming Angry Birds and... and uh, Which, watch Angry Birds not do well at all. Oh, God, yeah. And uh, the Stork. Storks yeah, looks the, really bad. Yeah. Uh, this This is probably the best animated bird movie you will ever get. Yeah. I mean, that's the hard truth. This, because right now, things are looking pretty darn dire. Because, uh, okay, the Lego movie aside, I don't think that I'm getting, I don't think I'm getting a great feeling for Warner Brothers with what they're doing. I mean, there's just so much, There, there are so many of these movies. As I said, okay, Illumination is doing okay, but that's based on uh, the Minions. Go outside of the Minions, I don't think they're in that much luck. Um, the Lorax yeah, wasn't what? well received. Yeah, Lorax. Uh... But, I mean, so, I mean, you've got all these movies, and they're costing so much money. I mean, this is a problem that the movie industry has as a whole. Let me be clear. The movie industry pumps so much money into movies that are ridiculous. When, at the end of the day, if you... If you just step back and put some intelligence into what you're doing, you can shave those costs. Okay, not to go off, not to bring this movie up, but Batman vs. Superman should not have cost as much money as it did. How much did it cost? I think it cost over $250 million. God. It's, you know what, you know what really ruined movie budgets, don't you? I can pinpoint it. I can I'm probably thinking of the same movie, but tell me which one you're going to point to. Fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. Because I I seem to remember uh, it at the time being a big deal that it was going to cost $200 million. So that was kind of extravagant at the time for that. And now it's like, now it's like everything costs over $100 million. Well, I'm going to go with another movie, Titanic. Titanic. How much did that one cost? That one cost 180 million, which of course now looks like nothing. Yeah. Um, and that one, it was thought, well, they'll never make their money back, and of course they did. But once it became possible, it sent a bad message. Now, here's the thing about Titanic: you saw every penny of that up on the screen, and it's the same situation with the the Spider-Man movies. Say what you want to about the third one; even it looks like it cost what it cost. Mm-hmm. But increasingly, you're not seeing that budget show up. I mean, I enjoyed Batman vs. Superman, but no, it didn't need to cost that much. On the other hand, you've got movies like Pan's Labyrinth, which cost under $20 million. 
and which looked gorgeous. So bringing it back to this movie, this movie cost $5.3 million. Just for comparison, Rio, a movie which, by the way, holds the record for the least I have ever said about a movie walking out of it. Which is to say, I didn't say a single word about it to the people I was with. I didn't even discuss it for several weeks. That was how little I cared about it. Yeah, it's... <sighs> which, it, this movie is so much better than Rio. This movie is much better than Rio. It doesn't even compare. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, a quality script, a quality story, and good character design are cheap. They require imagination, they require intelligence, but they're cheap. Yeah, and this also, you know, uh, the other thing this film has going for it, and I think I mentioned that to you last night, like one of the first comments I made was, you know what? Uh, you can, lame jokes can really shine and sparkle and be funny uh, if they're really tightly executed. Yeah, because there are so many puns in this movie, so many egg puns. Yeah. And this movie executes them wonderfully. It times them well. The eggs, by the way, are not just a mass of characters. They're all fairly individual. They're all fairly entertaining. Yeah. Uh, I would I would enjoy doubling back and seeing their stuff. Again, if I spoke a word of Spanish. Um yeah. <laughs> maybe in time. Maybe in time. This is something... This movie is much better than Rio, as I said. And it's better than a lot of that stuff. I mean, it's it's easily better than anything that Blue Sky has done, aside from their adaptations. It's far better than most DreamWorks movies. Um, we'll put the first two Shreks and Kung Fu Panda aside. Um, also, the first How to Train Your Dragon. And we'll go on ahead and say the second one's also better, but... The second one has some problems. The second one's kind of a letdown. I, which, I hate that, by the way. I hate that that's what it was. I was I was mildly yeah. let down by it. It wasn't as good as the first one. But, I mean, that's the thing. Is this better than Shark Tale? Is this better than Megamind? Yeah. Yeah, this is better than those. And, yes, the animation isn't as polished as an American animation film would be. I don't care. Like, I really didn't care. It's all about your execution. The movie looks cartoony. It's not trying for realism. It's trying to be a cartoon. So I'm okay with the fact that a movie that is trying to be a cartoon is a cartoon. You're allowed to do that. Um, again, the character designs are nice. It's nice to look at. It's very colorful. Uh, this was released in 3D. Oh, man, that would be great. <laughs> And that was another thing I noticed. Even watching it on video in 2D, I could tell where the 3D shots must have looked really good. Yeah, and it's this also has really good, um, um, like the camera does really cool things. Yeah, there's some surprisingly good movements uh, within it. Uh, yeah, the narrative is very expressive. Uh, at one point, the movie stops and goes into a 2D animated sequence that's a joy to watch. Um <sighs> A few places, actually. Yeah, in a few places. Yeah, those are really, yeah, those are really fun and also expressive. I wonder, I wonder if that's close to what the original uh, animation looks like. Actually, it's not. Actually, it's not. Now, the clip that you saw. Now, of course, you 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 spotted the clip of one of the original movies, um, playing, and that's what it looked like. It didn't look like that. Uh, this was actually much more stylized than even that. But like. I would have watched him. I would have watched the whole movie in the uh, style of the flashback. Uh, yeah, because that was really cool. It was really well done. Um, again, I don't want to oversell this. This is not some grand effort. No, this is not on par with, say, Zootopia. Go go in with even expectations. Go in with even expectations. It. But it's fun. You'll come out of it enjoying it. I mean, it, this is just a fun, cool little movie that entertained me. I mean, this is the kind of thing that. I would throw on for the future Lola Fay. You know, I think, I, you know, it's definitely, I will say this. It's it's definitely kid-friendly. I mean, it's bright. It's colorful. Uh, I mean, the sexual humor in it isn't that bad. No. Nah. <laughs> and it's just, it's just entertaining. And I mean, as I said, it gives me a glimpse into something that I'm not that familiar with. Uh, you know, it's funny. We did this cast about the same time that I've really gotten into a... Uh, Mexican themed uh, comic strip actually. Oh yeah, yeah. 
uh, Baldo, which I've really started to enjoy. I've been reading a few years of it uh, at a time uh, on Go Comics. And I'm really enjoying it. And so I am starting to get an interest in this culture. And I, I, I want a bit more. And movies like this are a good entry point for us. Um, yeah, for all the Mexican culture that's on display, uh, there is a fair amount of uh, American cultural references that get uh, put in. The Happy Feet one killed me. The Happy Feet that slayed me. Just the that, uh, when he's trying to, you know, the the constant theme is he's trying to crow, and it's you know you can see it in the trailer. You know he's he just his crowing is just screaming basically, and uh, it sounds horrible. And uh, the egg duck or the yeah the duck egg makes the reference. Ah, this is so much worse than Happy Feet. It's like. That's the moment where I knew that this movie was just fearless beyond reproach. Yeah, it's it's ready to have some. It's willing to have some fun with the culture. Um, yeah. There's a number of Rocky references which are expected. Yeah. Oh, they their twist on it is great though. Just the musical. There's a musical joke in there, which is the, you know, the music starts off as the song does. Da 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 da, da. and then when it gets into the when it gets into the main part, well, it's a it's a mariachi version of the song, which sounds awesome. It does. It's a, it's 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 a cool and very. Ex- I mean, it's an expected twist, but I mean, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's one of those things. If you're going to do a boxing movie, you have to get at least one Rocky joke in there. You're required to. Of course, to. of course, and of course, we can't forget about Snoop Duck. Hmm. <laughs> which. I'm surprised they didn't go ahead and try and get him for that. This might be the yeah. first time that I've seen a reference to him that isn't actually him in an appearance. That's true. Because that man will do anything for a dollar. <laughs> him and Coolio. Yeah. It was nice. I mean, but yeah, that was well done. I mean, the cultural references aren't... They're not as flung in your face as, say... I mean, I mentioned Shark Tale. Mm. Oh, God. Have you seen Shark Tale? I I fortunately have not. I just know that Martin Scorsese is in it, and I cannot bear to see him like that. It's easily the worst thing he's ever been approached, or he's ever been attached to, no question. I mean, it's bad, 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 bad. Uh, it's so bad. So, yeah, I I don't know what to make of that. But, I mean... You know, okay, yeah, the Godfather reference. Seriously, let's let's kind of all maybe take a moratorium on this one, but it's well done here. Um, yeah, especially because the egg seems to have like jowls drawn on. Yeah, like, that was a nice little touch. I mean, if you stop like freeze frame certain parts of the movie and just look at the texture of the characters, it's very detailed. Yeah, again, five. million dollars uh just for comparison by the way to look at another low budget animated movie norm of the north uh cost uh 18 million and they have the trailer for that on this one and it looks it looks worse because it just looks worse i mean it yeah the textures are really nice yeah the eggs have a nice texture the farm is nicely designed i mean the chickens are all very, they're all very interestingly designed. Um, Even the humans have nice designs, and they're yeah. kind of backseat, they're all backseat characters. Yeah, this movie does seem to have a little bit of confusion about, okay, what is the level of reality? How much can humans understand the uh, chickens and vice versa? Yeah, there is one throwaway joke that kind of clarifies that a tiny bit, where the announcer sees them interacting and uh, at the end of the match, and it's like, don't you ever wonder what they're saying to each other? And then you briefly see them just kind of balking at each other. <laughs> it is it is surreal. Um, anthropomorphization is such an odd thing. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, as I said, I really like it when my expectations aren't very high for something. And I get pleasantly surprised. I, I, I like that because... I, I, I like to see there's something out there that's unexpected and interesting. Uh, I'm not surprised this one did fairly well. Because, uh, again, it was a hit. It did make... It was number one at the Mexican box office for three weeks. 
and uh, then it uh, went on ahead and made five times its budget. Uh, the producers are very, or the writers and directors, uh, they're very happy with uh, the outcome. I, I do suspect that going CGI, as I said, had to have been a move for the American audience. But that's okay, because honestly, the 2D animation, I, what I did see, it is pretty cheap. I mean, I can see that they kind of did have to step it up for a larger market a larger and frankly more discerning market but again it looks good and i i, I like and as i said it's it's fairly well paced for 98 minutes um obviously a lot of that's credits i mean it has to be pointed out of course a lot of that is credits but big deal yeah yeah i, I can deal with credits so i mean and uh, by the way it goes without saying there are a couple of moments in the film that you just know are setups for credits jokes the mice the, the, yeah or when it's referenced of hey you know my father is going to come back you know yeah. that, you know that the last joke in the movie is going to be the father coming back yeah he's exploring a crocodile's stomach mm -hmm. it's like are you sure you are you sure he wasn't just eating my crocodile no he's exploring his stomach that's a moment that basically is a red flag to the audience of hey stay through the credits this one's going to get answered yeah. <laughs> Which, of course it is. Of course it is. But you know what? That's that's fine. Uh, again, I mean, there's just, there's there's a lot of just nice humor in this. I, I just, I really did enjoy it. And uh, the, this makes me curious about other stuff. This makes me curious about delving into more of this uh, culture. I mean, I, because here's the thing. I stress this. Turning a blind eye to Mexican culture in the 21st century, it doesn't work. It, it really doesn't work. We have to be aware of it. Yeah. You know, in this, yeah, in this age of internet and where everybody, like, where uh, world boundaries are kind of torn down, um, yeah, there's, there's no excuse not to take interest in what your neighbors are doing, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's room for it. As I said, it is it's really irritating because again mexican television and music i mean their media industry is thriving and it has for decades and when i say decades i don't mean 30 to 40 years i mean decades i mean you know over 100 years the mexican film industry got started more or less at the same time as the american film industry you know so we have to have some respect and uh, I think it's a shame that we don't. I think it's a shame that we don't give this stuff, you know, more treatment. But I am encouraged by Pantaleon, uh, by what they're doing, getting this stuff in American audiences. Yeah, I really hope that this, uh, yeah, the successes leads to more. That'd be great. They are having some success. I mean, they, they had a film open this weekend that did fairly strong per-screen averages. I mean, they're, that's just it. Their, their goal is to kill it on the per-screen average, not on the... Uh, you know, top of the charts. I, I think they can really do something here. Uh, I mean, as I said, this is a formulaic crowd pleaser. It's not anything that's going to make any best of the year lists, but damn it. It's fun. And fun's underrated. Fun is underrated. Uh, so yeah, this one I can, this one I can definitely recommend. Uh, any other points you want to make about it? Oh God. Uh, oh shit. Yeah. Mar a marijuana joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the movie gets in a pot joke. Yes, it does. Oh yeah, there's a Street Fighter reference in there. Greatly appreciated that. Uh, yeah, he's doing a bunch of uh, like fighting moves, and then he does the Hadouken. Yes, that's that's <laughs> one thing. Actually, I'm glad that you brought it up because that, that was one thing I was almost gonna have to go without doing. Which is the boxing scenes in this movie are actually pretty good. They're actually they're actually well executed. They're actually genuinely well animated. And decent. I mean, it's not hard to get a good boxing match looking good, but I'm still glad they took some effort. I mean, it, the the way that he winds up winning is actually plausible. Like it's it not. It is, yeah. It's not. He does some special ridiculous move. It's no. He exhausts him and then he beats him. It's uh, you know, it's it's a legitimate strategy. Yeah, I was impressed by that. It's like you know, it, it was actually a thing where. They both get in their equal hits, and uh, 
and it is kind of uh fun to watch like a real you know it did feel like watching a real boxing match where it's like wow this is really close what's gonna happen you know kind of thing even though you know he's gonna beat him because well that's the way these things go but it still kind of keeps you on the edge yeah it's and a, yeah it's nice I, I really did like that i mean these are these are small things but they're but they're things that again they don't cost money that's what bugs me is these are you know if you use a deus ex machina in your fight scenes i'm not going to enjoy it because you've just cheated yeah and he you know and they do play up his quote-unquote signature move but it's not so much a, you know, this is a super move because it's just kind of a regular move with flair. But it's just like, well, uh, here's my final blow. Yeah. You know, caca. But it's an actual, again, it's actual. I mean, the, this is a small thing. And again, that brings us back to that idea at the end of, well, how would they actually receive this? Unbeatable fighters start to get tiresome, actually. Just ask uh, the UFC, which is yeah, you know, which has been struggling with that uh, in uh, women's fighting, in that nobody could beat Ronda Rousey until somebody did, and then suddenly, suddenly, well, of course, what actually happened was that suddenly everybody decided, ha ha, she's a joke, because she lost one time in her entire career. You all, wow. I mean, don't get me wrong. She said. Yeah, she's done some things. She said some things that were uh, not politically correct. Uh, she does appear to hold some opinions that aren't ideal. But if we're just going on the sheer basic facts of her fighting career, come on. One fight is still losing. One fight in your entire career is still amazing. Yeah, it's still a feat. Not many can pull off. Her other fights are uh, are able to be played in animated GIFs, people. I don't know. So I again, I, these are small touches, but take some time to put some wit into your movie. Yeah, just take some time, please. It's it's not hard. Um, work smarter, not harder. Yeah, work smarter, not harder. And, that, and that's how I feel about. It. So as I said, yeah, that that's kind of my take on this. It's it's a fun little movie, and uh, it's available from Redbox. It's not hard to get your hands on. Um, do watch the Spanish. Yeah, watch the Spanish version. It will give you the option. Also, make sure to turn on the subtitles because it won't do it automatically. Yeah. Yeah, you need the subtitles on. Um, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's my thoughts on this. As I said, it's nothing major, but it's fun. Uh, this, is a, this is a solid recommend. Yes, it's, it's, worth the, it's worth your time. You can find us at our blog in uh, the source of the cast at thefilmroom.podbean.com You can get us on iTunes if that's what you prefer. Please rate and review us. That helps us get seen. Yeah, you can find us on the side blog uh, thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com and you can read Austin's recent uh, geek rant there. Um, he has some definite things to say and and, well, you know, if you want to know how I feel, I agree with him completely. Come on, guys. Yeah, we, um, gotta, we gotta do better. Yeah, we we gotta better ourselves, man. You can find us on our Twitters. Austin is at Untitled User. I am at Primitive Man PRD. We, as a whole, are at uh, Film Room Cast. And, of course, Harold Ragsdale's Twitter is at Cybergun Films. He's been a little bit tired this week, but uh, in the last few months, but uh, he's gonna get back up to action soon, so... You can find us on our Facebook. Uh, we are almost up to 800 likes. It's kind of incredible. Please interact. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, facebook.com slash thefilmroom. You can email us at uh, filmroompodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, most important, our Patreon. Uh, thank you guys so much for your continued support. It really does help us out. Uh, we're still aiming for that $30 uh, website mark. God's Not Dead 2 awaits you. <laughs> awaits us, too, like the Grim Reaper. Um, we will suffer for you. That's how much we want the website. But yeah, patreon.com slash thefilmroom. And of course, we always, as always, want to thank our patrons. Thank you, Sean Fernotoli. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And we will uh, 
we have things in store for you. Yeah, just to be clear, we are we will keep a full schedule through the summer. Uh, we're gonna start starting this week. We're gonna be recording banked casts so that y'all can uh, keep hearing us with steady and uninterrupted. We got some fun stuff coming for the banked ones. So yep, it'll be it'll be pretty seamless for you guys. Yep. So, so yeah. Yep. So till then, later. Hasta luego.